you could have more fulfillment and ease in your professional and personal life and still be ambitious. Join me, Kathy Onetto, founder of Sustainable Ambition, for conversations with experts, authors, and friends on what it means to live with sustainable ambition. Learn concepts, tips, and tools to craft a fulfilling career on your terms while still being ambitious and avoiding burnout. For show notes from this episode, visit sustainableambition.com slash podcast. Now, let's learn more to help you craft your career to support your life from decade to decade. On to today's conversation. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I wanted to provide a prologue to this episode as an introduction to this series I'm doing in partnership with my good friend and colleague, Philip Van Dusen. The topic is leaving corporate and moving into self-employment or starting a business. So our intent with this series is really to create a guide to going out on your own. And why are we doing this series? Well, for me, it got on my radar, frankly, as a listener request. So Thank you to those of you who are interested in hearing more on this topic. And then since then, it really has become something that I've been talking to a lot of different people about, either through my coaching practice or through networking. People are really kind of curious about what it is like to go out on their own or if I can share tips on how I've done things and what I've learned. And so I thought I'd bring this to all of you. And I thought... Who better to explore this topic with than Philip? I just, I thought it would be more interesting to bring somebody else into this conversation. And, you know, both of us have had long careers in corporate before we then went out on our own and even have a shared journey that we'll talk about here on the series. Now, as we started to plan this, we realized that this is a big topic. And as we started to frame it out, we realized that um, it could become this series, which is which is what it has become. And while we know that there are a lot of resources out there again on this, we thought it would just be helpful to share our experiences with the hope that it helps you in your own journey. And I will just say, you know, for me, even with an undergraduate and graduate business degree and having expertise in branding, there's really been quite a bit of learning in finding my own way with self-employment and running a business. So as I shared, this is a series and because it's a big topic, we're we're covering the different topics in five different episodes. And I'm going to be posting them here on the Sustainable Ambition podcast. And Philip is also going to post on his podcast, the Brand Design Masters podcast. And so here are the five episodes we're going to be covering. The first topic is on owning your professional brand narrative. And it's really about how to build your brand while you are still employed. The second will be on recognizing it's time to go and how to go. The third, we're going to cover what to do before you pull the plug and jump ship. The fourth is about getting resourced. And then the last one will be about getting your brand and new business going. And really, once you're up and going, what to think about in terms of the beyond. 
So the other thing I want to just call out here is we've never done this before. We, you know, so you're going to hear that um, we might stumble a little bit or kind of are finding our way in this co-hosting realm um, of the podcast. And you'll kind of get a sense of each of us takes turns at different times and kind of leading the conversation. But hopefully you'll just, you know, go with that and still get value from the conversation. Um, I always love being in conversation with Philip, so I hope you enjoy it as well. And we hope you'll tune in for the whole series and hear what we've learned about how to build a work life after corporate life. Now, before we jump into today's episode, let me properly introduce Philip. He has been on the podcast twice in episode number six and episode number 25. But in case you missed those, let me just make sure I properly introduce him to you. So Philip Van Dusen is a creative entrepreneur and owner of Verhal Brand Design, a branding agency based in New Jersey. As a thought leader, Philip shares his expertise in marketing, design, and entrepreneurship on YouTube to his 250,000 subscribers. He also shares his expertise in his Brand Muse newsletter, on the Brand Design Masters podcast, as I mentioned, and in his Brand Design Masters Facebook community. In his career, Philip has led creative teams on both the client and agency sides, serving as VP of Design for PepsiCo and Old Navy, and Executive Creative Director at the iconic branding firm Landor Associates. Past clients include a host of Fortune 100 companies, and at this point, I would also just add a number of small businesses and entrepreneurs as well. Now with that, let's jump into today's conversation. This is part two in our probably five-part series on leaving corporate and going out on one's own. And so sometimes people are surprised about this, this journey and on a number of fronts. You either are... You get you get laid off, so it's a choice that's not your own, or there's some sort of corporate restructuring, and you're you're you've been made redundant for one reason or another. You may be fired. You could be totally burned out. You could be forced to take a break through ageism or some sort of family situation. Um, but there's a lot of different signals that can happen. But there's also a lot of signals that happen and can happen inside of yourself in terms of what are those signals that that start to make you think about that it's time to go? How do you recognize when it's time to go or or how you go? And so just expanding on the, the travel analogy that I started in episode one, this is kind of the wanderlust where you start thinking about the call to adventure, like recognizing that I need to take another step. I need to pivot. I need to evolve in some sort of way. So in thinking about that in this journey of, independence, you're in corporate. Now, what are the signals? What were the signals for you, Kathy, when you were in corporate and you said, hey, I'm going to do something different? Yeah, there were a few things that came forward for me. I mean, one was that just, I started to sense that my ambition was shifting. So I started to notice like, you know, it wasn't quite as important for me to get to the C-suite of a big company that just started to not be my ambition. And I had always had a little bit of entrepreneurial tendencies. I think even growing up, I thought that I wanted to start a business at some point of my own. And it's why I ended up majoring in business in undergrad and graduate school. But the other thing about it with my, some of my ambition was that um, around this idea of both going out on my own, it, there was an ownership aspect of it as well, where 
I really kind of wanted to start to own my own creative output and as well as be able to dedicate more of my time to my own creativity. So that was one signal that was happening for me was just this sense of, hmm, my ambition is starting to shift here a little bit. So maybe I, I'm, it, maybe this is the time where I'm actually going to go ahead and step out from what I'm doing here on the corporate side. And so when you, what did that feel like, what that decision feel like for you? Was it just like this, you know, kind of gnawing at you? Or, or did it take a long time for that to happen? Or was it, you know, was it a matter of months where you got the sense and then you acted? Oh, no. Yeah. But, you know, it's a great thing to point out. Personally, I feel like transitions take more time than people realize. And I also think that people are having indications that a transition is coming way sooner than they, again, than they realize. Like if they were paying attention to how their body felt or some of the signals that were coming to them, they would actually start to realize like, oh my gosh, this has been percolating for a year. If I were really to step back and look at things and um, they, if they were paying attention, they would start to clue into those things instead of being like, it's now urgent, right? Where I can't stand this anymore. So for, so for me, it was something that I had been thinking about for some time and planned for. And I think I was starting to notice the shift. And like I said, I think I always had a sense that I might want to do something out on my own. And so I was starting to explore, uh, for, for some time before I actually made, made the leap. Did you, when you were employed full time, were you actually kind of moonlighting? Did you moonlight to kind of test those waters? I did a little bit. I mean, certainly when I was first, when I was still full time employed. Well, let me pause for this for a second to think about this because, you know, in some of my jobs, to be honest, I, I was so, I worked so much, to be honest, the agency world, many people, especially your listeners will know agency life is it's no intense. joke. Like yeah, I, right. I, I left a startup and, um, I remember telling people at one of my jobs, I left a startup and went to the agency world. And I said, I was looking for more work-life balance. And they laughed at me as they <laughs> rightly, sh- as they rightly should have. Um, agency life is, is quite intense. So, um, you know, so when I was in that agency role, I really didn't have the capacity, frankly. And it was during that time that I was putting a lot of my own personal creative energy into content and thought leadership for that agency. And it's when I started to get this sense of like, that's great. And they supported me in that and got me awareness through that thought leadership. But it also just started to feel like, you know, at some point I wanted some of that for my own. was once I got into a different job, actually, where I had a little bit more capacity and I started to play with some of my own content creation and creativity and started to explore some options of going out on my own. So it, that's really interesting because I, I forgot about that. Full disclosure, Kathy and I worked at an agency, a branding agency, CPG and Identity and Strategy Agency in San Francisco together. Kathy was in strategy. I was in creative. And I, I had forgotten about the fact that you were developing thought leadership pieces while you were a strategist at this agency and publishing them to the, it was an agency network. So it was a global agency. And so she was, you were publishing content that made its way across to other agencies within the, the parent company. Um, and so in terms of actually recognizing it's time to go, the theme of this, this show, 
in developing, you kind of were starting to get your feet wet in developing content and thought leadership while you were employed. Like you were, it was kind of, it wasn't necessarily part of your job, but you made it part of your job and you started doing it. Do you think, you know, exercising, developing those sorts of muscles, as I talked about in episode one, do you feel like that contributed to your wanderlust? It's a great question, Philip. I think that I had an inclination and a desire to create content from a, a early time. I ended up taking this, um, I've taken writing courses over the course of my professional career. And one of them, the first one that I took was in New York City, where I took an op-ed writing course. And so I had this desire, this interest in kind of putting thought pieces out there. And I will say, just to kind of emphasize this importance going back to the first um, episode, I won't go too deep on this, but it was in that course that I learned, like, yeah, you can't just write about anything in an op-ed. It's nice if you have a political view, but if you are not a political expert, like, it's probably not going to get published. So it was the first time that I was told, right, you need to develop an expertise. You Mm. need to have essentially a professional identity. Yeah. If you, yeah, if you're going to go and write about something. So I don't know in that regard, in terms of content creation, I don't know if that's where, like in doing it for the company, I don't know if that's where it contributed to my wanderlust. But in in essence, yes, it did, Philip, because what I was saying and what I had shared was that like at some point I was kind of like, wow, I'm putting a lot of my personal time because I was doing a lot of writing on the weekends into something that, I don't own the IP, you know? And so there was a part of me that was kind of like, well, geez, if I'm going to do this, put this much effort and this much of my personal time into this, I kind of want to own it, you know? So that it, it did contribute a little bit um, to, I think, this sense of, again, my ambition shifting and this desire to just kind of own some of my own IP, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's interesting. When you were talking, I was thinking about how, what, in my my last role was a VP of design in a, a, a global corporation, and the uh, one of the things that I found myself doing, or I became curious about in that role, was that I had just come from a global agency, and then I moved into creative at a global in-house company, client-side company, and in both of those roles. I was starting to see these large agencies and large companies utilizing independent consultants or digital, uh, you know, virtual agencies that were usually one um, principal who may bring in a partner or two to work particular projects, or they might just work it individually. And so I was seeing that happen on the agency side. And then when I was on the client side, I was actually starting to engage people and agencies like that to do work for um, the company I was working for. And I hadn't, you know, usually when I was in the corporate side, I was developing all my own creative and marketing myself. When I was on the client side, I was doing client products and services. I hadn't been leveraging outside resources so much. And suddenly I was finding outside resources are becoming a really important thing, both to agencies and to corporations, I saw the movement to the consultant, the growth of the consultant class and how is the, the, and how that was shifting the paradigm of work 
in the marketing world and the design world within both of these sides of the street. And I was fascinated and curious about that. And that's one of the things that when I did make that jump out on my own, I, I kind of thought back and realized it kind of in hindsight that this was something that I'd been experiencing and it was gaining importance and prominence in the working world that I wanted to explore, I wanted to kind of enter in on because I saw, I basically saw the paradigm of work shifting and I wanted to kind of get ahead of that. I wanted to like be on the right side of history, you know? And um, so that's interesting because I never really had thought about it in terms of that aspect of it before. That brings up for me, can I just say really quickly, Philip, because in listening to you say that too, you're actually, it's funny how we forget our history, right? And so you're making me think back to actually how things transpired for me. And one of the things like, so that people recognize too, that sometimes you might take small steps towards this. And what happened to me was frankly, I had a former client kind of pull me into consulting, right? Because Mm. It was kind of like, hey, would you come be a consultant? And I was like, hmm, actually, that I think I do want to do that. But then I also had a company I was working with that allowed me some flexibility, right? So the, the marketplace was shifting, as you're saying, in terms of how talent was being utilized and like more like both people taking on consultants as well as organizations offering a little bit of flexibility where, hey, why don't you work here part-time? You can do some some other consulting as well. And so it's just to say those signals are kind of like, in this case, it's a marketplace signal, right? That you were stuff, seeing stuff happening out there. I actually kind of got pulled into it before I made a permanent kind of shift. But anyway, I just wanted to make that observation as well. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, in I want to be really transparent in this episode because recognizing it's time to go is one of those things that is really different for everybody. And like I said at the very beginning of the episode, it can come about in a huge number of ways. You can be literally made redundant, your position being eliminated through an acquisition of two companies moving together or an agency being sold to a conglomerate. You can you know, just burn out. You can get laid off. There can be an economic downturn or COVID, you know, something that's completely not your fault. Um, you feel you may feel for a family situation or a change in work relationship with you and your significant other that something has to change for a period of time and you may leave willingly and then things start to change. I mean, there's so many different ways that this can happen. Sometimes it is sudden and you do not expect it to happen. So it's not really like you're recognizing anything about time to the time to go. It just happens. And so My experience in that recognizing it's time to go and yours, I think, are very different. When I left my last corporate job, it was um, I was a VP of design in a large multinational corporation, and it was a very intense job. Uh, You know, eighty-hour weeks. People were surprised if you weren't answering emails at four o'clock in the morning when they were emailing you from you know Asia Pac, right? And I was putting my all into it. It was the biggest job of my career. I was probably making the most money I'd ever made in my career. I was working on a very, very visible brand, brands actually, dozens of them. And uh, it was um, it was intense. And I'd also gone through a period of time where I 
had been made redundant through downturns, et cetera, and acquisitions a couple times over the previous five years where I'd actually relocated for work. So I'd been laid off, position eliminated, moved to a new city, started a new job, worked there for a period of time, had the same thing happen, moved to another city, have have it happen again. And so I was at the end of a string of a lot of um, kind of major uh, geographical shifts in my life, not only just um, working shifts, and landed in this very high-pressure role. And in that period of time, my father, who is was a newspaper journalist and an owner of newspapers, newspaper editor all his life, and later an English teacher, developed dementia. And he was in the process of losing his faculties and um, had to be put in a memory care unit of the place where he lived with my mother. They'd been married 60 years. You know, so I had always been very, very close with him. And it was a traumatic thing to watch my father kind of, to a certain extent, disappear in front of my eyes. And while that was happening, I was going through this very intense role that I was working and when when you see someone that you love dearly disappearing <laughs> or when someone passes away which was pretty obviously imminent in this case it makes you realize and look at life completely differently you you reevaluate what is important to you you and i and i found myself thinking is this all there is 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 this what i'm going to end up doing for the rest of my life is this what i want my legacy to be and I, that stress and that emotional trauma of that life-passing event with my father, on top of the massive stress of the job itself, led me into a downward spiral of burnout where I started to develop panic attacks. I lost 20 pounds, and Kathy knows me. I'm 6'1", or 6'2", and I'm not a heavy guy to begin with. So if you take 20 pounds off me, I turn into skin and bones. And so... It was, and then I just, one day I woke up and I just said, I can't do it. And I, and I called up and I resigned and it was, it was crazy. Um, I walked away from the biggest job in my career in, in a, you know, in a panic. And that was the way I left that role. And that was the way I entered entrepreneurship. And I didn't enter entrepreneurship right away. In fact, I decided to take a year off. I was in a financial position where I could do that. And I helped my mother settle my father's estate and processed that death emotionally, went through a lot of therapy and stuff like that. And so I had to have and was very lucky to have a level of healing through that process. And so my transition into entrepreneurship and I think, Kathy, you and I should also talk about the Verhal Co. company that we started together because that was a bridge for both of us, too, I think. Um, and I'll let, you, I'll let you start to tell that story. But my transition into this world was not one that was smooth. It wasn't one that I had thought about or nurtured in any kind of way over a period of time. It was, it was a traumatic, sudden event. And I just want to acknowledge that that's what that was for me. I've completely changed my relationship with work and how I run a business. And I think what have been made stronger by that as we are, we all very much so are made stronger by the difficult times in our lives. Um, 
But I just wanted to be, I wanted to share that story because if anyone's listening who has gone through that, something like that, or lives with someone who's gone through that or have a relative who did, um, those are intense times. And, uh, and you can, you can approach to, or come to this transition in many, many different ways. There are lots of different colors of how you get here. Yeah, I really appreciate that, Philip. And I'm sure people listening are appreciative of you being so transparent and honest with your own experience, because I think a lot of people are probably facing, perhaps they might have lost somebody like you lost your father. And people are also, there are some folks out there right now that are just really struggling with the weight of what the pandemic has done and you know, I think we're going to be dealing with the after effects of that for some time. Absolutely. And so, you know, really this kind of, in part of what you're even sharing a little bit was like your, your body was giving you signals yeah. a, a bit about like the intensity, right? If you're having panic attacks, if you're losing weight and frankly, just working 80 hours a week is that's just intense, man. So it's like, and then if you add the weight and the stress of losing a parent, right? It's like you only have, we humans only have so much capacity. And so um, you can really appreciate then how some people who might be listening might have that same experience and their body is trying to tell them something that something needs to Mm. change. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, and that's like one of those, those signals as well. So yeah, I mean, that's how I recognized it was time to go. It was like my clothes didn't fit me anymore. You know, I was having to buy (laughs) new skinny pants. And so, and it just was, it was not working for me. And um, yeah, so that's how I recognized it was time to go. So yours sounds like it was much more of a kind of a, a, more of a process. Yeah, I think that's right. And I, and it really was a process. So, and maybe I'll, I'll work in the Verhal experience because it really, it it fit into that process. So you're right that it was a process and I'm going to, I'll admit, even for mine, mine was a little messy, this jumping, I've jumped back and forth between like, okay, I think I want to go out on my own to maybe I will take a job to kind of now being like, yeah, I don't think I want a (laughs) full-time job. Right. So, uh, so for me, like you and I were both exploring entrepreneurship. And we were like, hey, we loved working together at the agency. We both ended up having a very similar idea that we were interested Mm -hmm. in exploring in terms of developing a business that really celebrated um, creativity and artisans work. And so we were like, yeah, let's go ahead and test out this idea. And we, we went into it kind of eyes wide open. Right. And I admittedly, I think you were doing it, um, kind of full-time, Philip, but it's like, you didn't have another job at the time, right? And I yet was actually working part-time and also testing out this startup thing. And so that was another way of like starting to step out on my own and test the waters, you know, in some respects while still keeping some consistent income um, coming in. And so that was my side of that. And I'll just say, so that transition in, in, in doing for hall together, it was definitely a learning stage. And then for me, the next stage from after that, cause you and I ended up deciding to, to close that down for various reasons. And I'll kind of share, let you share 
your own experience and where you took that. Cause I think you had some ahas from that experience too. And, um, you know, and this is one thing I'll throw in here too. That's just, you know, we'll come back to in another episode is this is one example of like, when you think about a business model, I'm just going to say like, one of the things that you and I chose at the time for better or worse, um, was, you know, I wasn't interested in starting an e-commerce company that was venture capital backed it's just not what I was interested in doing and kind of what I wanted to take on. And some people, especially living out here in Silicon Valley, where I live, would think about that and think, you're crazy. Like, why Why would you ever start a, like, that's the only kind of business you would start, right? And so, again, when you start to step out on your own, thinking about what's the right fit for you and how you want to build a business. And I stepped away from the business for for personal re- reasons, really, and, and also starting to feel like maybe that wasn't right, quite the right trajectory um, for me going forward. And so when I did finally take a step out on my own, it was really because I had a job stage coming to an end and it just felt like the right time to kind of make that leap finally. Um, And I think at that point, I'd had all these different signals, right? My ambitions were changing. I was kind of called to entrepreneurship. Um, I ended up having a job stage coming to an end. And at that time of the end of a couple of really intense work experiences, I was also longing for a little bit more flexibility in how I was living my life and also was starting to have aging parents where I kind of just was seeing on the horizon this need to be able to have a little bit more flexibility and how I was able to utilize my time. So that's what got me to finally make make the final leap. But I'm curious, like, Philip, what do you want to share around our hall experience and how that was helpful for you? Yeah. The one thing I would say is I don't want to confuse anyone who's listening because my my agency is called Verhal Brand Design. It's a Dutch word, Verhal, which has V-E-R-H-A-A-L and has two A's. It's hard to spell. It's hard to say. Um, And I actually said it incorrectly. I was saying Verhal for literally about a year and a half until I was corrected by a Dutch person. And, and that's probably why I'm saying it wrong still, and Philip. Seeing, and seeing how I my heritage is Dutch, I was deeply embarrassed. Um, but so we, Kathy and I started an e-commerce company, which was selling very kind of bespoke um, accessories and products that were had a lot of provenance and story to them made by small makers in the United States. That was our idea. We wanted to celebrate the maker culture, quality products, and products with story. And so we named the company Verhal. And uh, we, and just so everyone knows, when we closed that company down, I stole the name and named my agency Verhal, which is why we have that name <laughs> that may be confusing people. Um, so Kathy and I, as we built this company over a period of about a year, we did it the branding way, right? We went off, we had offsites where we did the brand strategy, we did the business plan, we did SWOT analysis, like we did the whole thing to the nines. We developed the brand identity and color palettes and product lines, um, went to trade shows and source products. We built websites and email, you know, marketing campaigns and social media platforms. And for me, this was transformative because when I had walked away from my last position, I was massively burnt out and I didn't even think I liked branding anymore. I wasn't sure that I really enjoyed what I was doing. And by, and I'd also been operating and working with very 
what I'll say, clean hands. I hadn't been pushing a mouse in terms of designing for decades, you know, over a decade. And so I hadn't been actually doing hands-on design in any form for a long period of time. So suddenly I was doing product photography in my basement. I was designing a, a brand identity. I was doing color palettes. I was, you know, designing a website. I was doing all of the hands-on work to develop this, you know, kind of little startup e-commerce company. And what that process did was it reignited my fire of the love of developing a brand from the ground up. And I really realized that I did love branding and I did love design because I was building something of my own and I was seeing the effect of it and seeing it come to life. It also made me fall in love with small business, small and medium-sized business and entrepreneurship and birthing brands from the very thought kernel all up through the development of it. So that's what Verhal did for me. And after we kind of got it up and running, we both kind of looked at each other one day when we were driving in a car down the road and we were like, I don't really feel like I wanna be shipping products all day long. <laughs> And then we just decided, hey, it was great. It was a lot of fun building this thing, but let's close it up. And by that time, I was thinking more about being an independent consultant and doing brand strategy and design on my own for a different sort of client base. And I had gotten super, super excited about um, personal branding. And that... As I was developing those skills and starting to do those skills of building Verhal, the website and the company, I um, was starting to understand more about what went into personal branding, you know, uh, email marketing, social media marketing, content marketing. Um, and those things were really piquing my interest because I had been so cloistered in my senior executive role for years that I didn't know, I hadn't gotten my hands dirty with those things. I, I didn't really know, I knew of their existence, but I, I didn't know the nuts and bolts. And so suddenly I was in there figuring out the nuts and bolts and I got super excited and pumped about it. And so when I went off on my own, I basically did the whole thing over again. I, I developed my own brand strategy, my own brand identity. I kept the name, um, kept the icon, and I developed my own um, branding consultancy on the tail end of that. And so that's kind of that that's kind of that history. I wanted to tie it up kind of all in a bow for everybody. No, I really appreciate that. I was just going to pivot us a little bit and say, Let's talk a little bit now about what the internal signals inside your employment could look like. Meaning, if you're working in an agency, a company, um, and you may be getting inklings of like changes afoot or something is happening, I should have my spidey sense up about like maybe, maybe I have to start thinking about what's next. What kind mm -hmm. of signals could those be? Like, what should people be watching out for, Kathy, when they're employed with an employer and and thinking that, should I be thinking about, you know, what's next or what should I be watching for in order to really um, be paying attention in a smart way? Yeah, I mean, there's a few things. I mean, one is, is just to start to, and it's kind of like, not as extreme as what you experienced, Philip, where you're waking up and you're like, uh, I just can't go in. There's no way. But if you start to feel like I'm just not into this anymore, you know, and you're finding it hard to get um, excited about going into the office on a regular basis, like that's something to think about. 
if you're not really, you know, you're starting to get over dealing with internal corporate bureaucracy or politics. It's not uncommon to hear that from people that are a little bit further along in their careers where they're just like, you know, I just don't want to deal with this anymore. Um, you know, you might be seeking more autonomy. You know, you might just be starting to feel like, you know, like I said, I want to own a little bit more of my own IP. So you might just start to be having these signals of, you know, I just, um, you know, and wanting to be able to call the shots a little bit more. So those are some internal signals that you might be experiencing. You know, there might also be, frankly, life stage factors, uh, you know, so signals from your life that are happening. So, you know, for those like, thank goodness, the workplace because of COVID is shifting to give us more flexibility, you know, but for people who are parents, you know, they, they likely need more flexibility in their time, or you might be in a stage in your career where, again, it might be further along where you're kind of seeking something different. So I think that there are various internal signals like those that you might want to be paying attention to. And then also there are, I'll just mention that there are also workplace signals that you have to pay attention to. So you may, you know, you may have moved on in age where you feel like you might've hit a ceiling. There's maybe no roles that you're going to be feasibly promotable to. Maybe you feel like your salary is topped out or you've been getting the signal that the raisins aren't as large as they used to be, or the bonuses aren't showing up the way they used to. You may be watching younger um, younger management or younger workers being groomed for the sort of position that you're in and feeling a little uncertain or a little, you know, kind of um, cautious about that. Uh, and paying attention also to, uh, you know, are you being groomed? Are you, you know, being challenged at your workplace? Are you being given new opportunities? Are you being given, um, you know, uh, new things to learn, new um initiatives to work on, some way to expand your skill set beyond maybe your T-shaped skill set that you've been doing in that corporation for a long time. Are you are you experiencing any of those things? Because if you're not, that's one of those internal, you know, employ, employer signals that I would pay attention to is like how much mobility, how much flexibility, how much, um, how much growth tra- trajectory do you have available to you where you are. Um, because, you know, a, a static employee is kind of a sitting duck in a way, um, especially the way today's businesses move. What do you think mm-hmm. about that? Yeah, I think, I think that's right. I think that, you know, I mean, that just goes to, uh, you know, really owning your growth, your own growth trajectory and growth curve. Like I'm an advocate of like, you should always be learning, right? And you need to own your own growth agenda and to lean into ensuring you continue to be marketable within your organization. Um, I I will just say though, sometimes those a signal for you to leave too, you know, as much as I try to get my, I mean, like, look, I've, you know, Philip, I taught myself how to post, do Facebook ads and what have you. Like I, you know, I took a digital marketing course because I wanted to like an in-depth one because I wanted to deepen my expertise in that area and knew that I needed to, I had to, that's just where the world of marketing has gone. But I will say I am going to be a performance marketer. It is just not where I want to deepen my expertise. I need to know enough to be able to manage it, but it's not where I'm going to spend my time. So I think you, to bring it back to what I'm saying here is it's kind of like there are those workplace signals of where you want to be making sure you're 
owning your growth trajectory, getting exposure, staying on top of trends, things of that nature. And then you also have to listen to yourself and know what's a good fit for you and what's not, right? As you're as you're going along and doing that. So I want to wrap up a little bit, but the kind of the second half of this episode was to be kind of the first half is recognizing it's time to go. What does that feel like? What does it look like? And the other is kind of how to go. So we're going to talk about how to go in a lot more depth in the next episode when we talk about what you need to do actually before you pull the plug, meaning planning that trip, planning that adventure in a real way, you know, pulling out the suitcase and starting to wash the clothes you're going to throw in there. So let's start, let's talk just a little bit about the how to go. So um, one thing that I would say that you want to pay attention to or practice while you're still employed is not burning any bridges, for one thing. You want to make sure that your relationships are strong and cordial or warm when you decide to make that that transition. Um, but the one thing I would also say and this is something, this is one of those things that I wish I'd do this more earlier in my career, is that to, to consciously make an effort to build relationships in divisional areas or responsible, responsibility verticals within your company that are beyond where you currently are. So let's, in my case, let's say you're in design or marketing. You would start to build relationships with people in strategy or people in finance or people in account management or people um, in production or the photography studio or, or you know, digital um, media buying or whatever that looks like, that you are starting to develop deeper, meaningful relationships with people outside of your organizational division. Because the people who are in your area are going to be looking for the same jobs and the same clients that you are, but the people who are outside of your area are ones that you could conceivably partner with or get recommendations to other partners to partner with once you are out there and on your own. The other thing I would say, and this is the, the, the part where I wish I'd known this earlier in my career, is that no one stays at their job forever, meaning you know, as if you make a, you develop good friendships with people, then people leave, they go to other places, they go to another company, another agency, and suddenly, you know, people at five companies rather than just the one that you're working at. So is there anything that you would suggest to people in terms of the the beginnings of the how to leave part? I think I, the main message that I would have here is it echoes the first thing that you said, which is never burn bridges. And most importantly, actually, is don't necessarily see your your choice to move on or step out as a negative thing. And the reason I say this is for a couple of reasons. First off, it is not uncommon that your employer may become your first employee. I'm sorry, your first, your first client, client, I should yeah. say, uh, your first client. Um, this happens often. And so, and it's almost as if, you know, if you want to land softly as you take your first step out, that should almost be what you should be crafting is saying, okay, I'm going to take a step out potentially. Like if you want to continue to do the same thing and it all works, but like that is one way to start to make the shift, which is to say, Hey, I want to go out on my own, but I'd love to take you on as a client and I'd like to work in this way. And so you know, it's really important to manage your relationships, frankly, always throughout your career, but to really think about it in that context that 
you know, this may become your first client. So make sure that if you think about leaving that you are positioning, doing so graciously and making sure that you're also the people, especially as you leave that, if you're going out on your own, that you have that narrative and that you're, you can already tell people, Hey, here's what I'm about to go do. If you hear of anything, please, please think of me. Uh, Because a lot of times, a lot of where your work is going to come from is through referrals. So if you leave on a bad note, guess what? (laughs) You won't be getting referrals. It comes back to that, like, are you good to work with? Do people appreciate you? Are you, are you referable? And so that's the main thing that I would like really advise people to think about. Just leave on a good note. Absolutely. Very smart advice to to wrap us up with. So this was the second episode in, um, you know, how you make that transition. Um, And so we have, we're going to have three more. This one was about recognizing it's time to go and how to start to go. And next time we're going to talk about what to actually do. What are the pieces you need to put in place before you pull the plug? If you have any other parting thoughts, otherwise we'll jump into episode three. This has just been a great conversation, Philip. I think my my final parting thought would be to also just encourage people pay attention. This is probably one of my biggest things that I often say to people is pay attention to both those internal signals and those external signals that are happening. Um, And that's really what this is all about in terms of knowing when it might be time, time to go. So that would be my parting thought. And just as always, Philip, I love being in conversation with you. So thank you for today's discussion. Been totally fun. Okay, everyone, you gotta, we gotta come with us to the next episode. This is a long journey we're on. So thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sustainable Ambition Podcast. I hope you take away at least one learning or inspiration from today's conversation. Find more inspiring interviews and get show notes for this episode at sustainableambition.com slash podcast. Make sure you don't miss an episode or my insider tips, guides, and tools by signing up for Sustainable Ambition Forum, my twice monthly newsletter. Sign up at sustainableambition.com slash subscribe. And remember, it's not about finding work-life balance. It's about building work-life resilience. Thanks again for joining me. Speak with you next time.